Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. City Current. Produced by Dakota Media Access. In-depth discussion with Bismarck and Mandan city officials. Watch on Government Access Channel 602 HD or tune in to Radio Access 102.5 FM. Always local, always current. Welcome to City Current. I'm Mary Van Sickle, here with the new city administrator for the city of Bismarck, Jason Tamonic. Jason, congratulations on your new appointment. Thank you. Some have offered condolences as well. So <laughs> I think they might know more than I do at this point. I don't I, know. I think, though, you probably have a pretty good idea of what the job involves. I hope so. Being the assistant city administrator for how many years? Almost eight. Okay. Yeah. So I had a first hand or a first front row seat to a lot of the action uh, over the past years. So, yeah. Um, but every day is different. You know, there's obviously a lot to learn. Um, looking forward to finding the replacement for the assistant city administrator yeah. position. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk, talk about that we later. We will talk about that because that cliffhanger. Oh yeah, <laughs> last night's meeting was was a uh, quite the quite the meeting and yeah. congratulations. Um, we can officially say it's been the longest it's, meeting that we have uh, covered in 2024 so far. It is. Yeah, we had almost five hours. Almost five hours last night. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of discussion. So um, kudos to everyone hanging in there and i'd like to recognize our staff members too who mm-hmm. never know how long a meeting is going to go uh, matthew scott who's in the control room right now was there last night in the city's control room and then phil miller on this end doing master control so it's you know they hang in there the the, the men behind the screens so to speak <laughs> so not always men but not always yes. men yes I, I actually thought you were going to say holly was here so yeah <laughs> not no, not her night she lucked out so. <laughs> so anyway yes it was a long meeting and as always we're here to talk about the actions and the decisions made last night the mm-hmm. highlights of the meeting and really how it impacts citizens uh that's the whole purpose of city right. currents so if you don't have time to sit through a five-hour meeting hopefully you can listen <sighs> to a 30-minute conversation for sure and again meeting is stored online at freetv.org you can go into the government area and you will find that meeting and, and so if and you literally really hundreds of others yes and you can watch that again and um and and jump to those items that you want to listen to so First couple things on consent agenda that we wanted to talk about, um, they were not pulled for discussion, but just something we wanted to highlight. And there were a couple of street name changes. I, I kind of laugh about... You I'm kind of smiling too. Yeah, yeah. We're the, changing names of streets that have been in place for... 
for decades, and and the first one is Burr Oak Loop. This is uh this is actually outside city limits, and it's in a rural subdivision. And if I'm reading this right, if I'm understanding the staff report, we're we're changing the name of the street, not in pronunciation, but basically in spelling. Mm-hmm. And it is to match the official record of the subdivision plat. So on the on the drawing that was created when this subdivision was laid out and and recorded years and years ago. The spelling of Burr Oak Loop has two R's. That would be the logical spelling for Burr Oak, I would assume. We have a little map we could pop up here too, if that's if that's available. There we go. It's just a small uh, little you. section of, mm-hmm. of Burr Oak, and uh, it was misspelled in some places. B U R. Right. So we just uh, do a little housekeeping. The, on the face of the plat, there are two R's. <laughs> so the street signs will reflect two R's. Uh, how the homeowners pronounce it i guess is up to them maybe they'll trill their r at the end <laughs> could be well the other one was harvest lane uh, changing to weiss avenue mm-hmm. and this was we have a little map of that one too that we could pop up this is in the menards area on evangel american okay. uh, hotel complex that area yeah so this is the east side of state street and harvest lane was the name that was originally uh, put on that street. I suspect this was around the time that Evangel was first established. If my memory is right, that was one of the first landmark buildings in this neighborhood. And so uh, as things have changed over the years, the, the streets have kind of been realigned. But what the planners have determined, and this is in in conjunction with the staff at CENCOM, so that's our 911 yeah. communications facility where addressing is Important. Very, very, very important. Yeah, for sure. So we kind of joke about, you know, some of the housekeeping things, but there are very technical reasons and safety reasons why mm-hmm. we are doing this. What has been determined is that this piece of street just east of State Street uh, that is perpendicular to State Street doesn't have any property addressed off of it either. Oh. If you go to the other side of the intersection to the west side of State Street, it is Weiss Avenue. That is the road that takes you to Menards and eventually uh, will tie in with 11th Street. Uh, but Weiss will go um, all the way to the west and, and to other properties along the way. So to have that continuity, to have uh, a small little street section that's basically a block long without anything addressed on it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from right. uh, an emergency response perspective. So the, uh, the recommendation and the ultimate approval was to just extend Weiss Avenue through the intersection so it will now terminate where Harvest Lane used to connect um, uh, to 14th Street in that area. So just a little bit of housekeeping. A little bit. Yeah. Also on the consent agenda, insufficiency of protests on a couple of big street projects that are going to come up this spring, summer, Mm -hmm. and completed this summer, as I understand. So first one is District 578, and we would put up a map, but this is... 266 blocks. It's a big district. It's everything from the South Bay area all the way up to the Pebble Creek area. And I'm not saying contiguous. These are small improvement districts, but small improvement areas. But as a district, it is one uh, cohesive project for a contractor. So notices have gone out to adjacent properties, uh, making them aware of some of this activity that will happen. And then special assessments that will be put on those properties. We, we say insufficiency of protest, and that's exactly what it means. They right. had a certain amount of time to protest the project, but a very, very small amount of protest came in, so this does move forward. Yes, of the six units that are in this entire district, four of them received protests from property owners, mm-hmm. and uh, 
the most number of property owners that protested in any one unit was only two. Okay. Uh, so uh, the percentage of protest was less <clears throat> than 2% in each case, in each unit. Obviously, that is not the majority. Uh, and the type of work that's being done here is... It, it varies, well, right? It's everything from okay. curb and gutter repair to patching and an overlay and, and maintenance of the road surface. Yeah. So, And then there was also uh, Street Improvement District 579. Now, that one's recorded a little different. It's instead of blocks, it's linear feet, I noticed in the agenda packet. That's, yeah, these again, are... another large project. Right. We're talking one unit in this area. It's Century Avenue... Uh, from Tyler Parkway to 4th Street, we've got Tyler Parkway in there, Burnt Bow Drive, and Clydesdale Drive. So this is a, a, a very kind of a regional area. There's a lot of work that's getting done here. So okay. um, these roads are all in the uh, in that kind of northwest part of town, I guess. So they're, they're moving forward. They'll Both are moving forward. They'll take the next steps here. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll move into the regular agenda. Before we do, we'll talk about... To our viewers and listeners, uh, letting them know that you're watching and listening to City Current. Uh, we are recording this program on Wednesday, February 28th. I'm Mary Van Sickle here with Administrator Jason Tomonic for the City of Bismarck. So talking, moving into that regular agenda and the first item on the agenda last night, which took up the bulk of the discussion and most of the time last night, was the fact-finding subcommittee. Uh, the report and recommendations that move forward. It was very lengthy, a lot of issues. Um, didn't look like anybody was enjoying the, their time at the podium or otherwise or at the table. Um, it's just, um, yeah. Yeah, this, this whole thing has been very challenging for all parties involved. And I guess the, the one thing that I'm trying to keep in perspective here is that we are dealing with we're dealing with humans we're dealing with professionals we're dealing with people's careers and it's terribly unfortunate that it is happening this way mm -hmm. uh, under the watch of those that choose to partake in city commission meetings and and for that this th that that part really struggles i struggle with that part um, but the task at hand last night for the fact-finding subcommittee and maybe we should back up just a little bit and talk about what that is. So that was a committee that was formed as a result of a city commission meeting back in November of 2023. Uh, it was a motion to uh, form a subcommittee uh, that was tasked with um, providing a recommendation uh, to the city commission relating to the performance issues of Charlie Jeske, uh, the event center director, and then also recommendations regarding appropriate actions to take to address any necessary employee discipline in changes uh, to the event center operations. So the fact-finding subcommittee was composed of Commissioner Mike Connolly, Commissioner Ann Cleary, and former state audit manager Gordy Smith. Uh, I'd never met Gordy uh, prior to this, but obviously for those that know him, um, know that his credentials uh, is why he was asked by Mayor Schmitz to uh, fill out this third seat. Uh, his role as a professional auditor and uh, certified public accountant over three plus decades was demonstrated last night. Uh, he was very thorough and very, uh, very willing to uh, commit to this project. And by committing to this project, what did that mean? It was um, many interviews, uh, dozens and dozens of volunteer hours spent. Uh, the fact-finding subcommittee met nine different times over the course of several months, ultimately forming a recommendation, which was delivered to the commission last night, along with some findings. And the findings that they were reporting 
we're relating to performance issues, uh, management concerns, personnel matters, uh, and, and financial issues as well. Financial issues relating to the event center, and then also this discussion of the, the vendor paid for a trip that was taken eight, nine years ago um, to explore different options for ticketing, uh, ticketing vendors and things like that. But uh, ultimately, again, for anybody that wants to know the whole story, I would encourage them to go back and listen to all the testimony. Uh, Mr. Jeske spoke, uh, his attorney spoke. Um, the commissioners obviously struggled with this. And at one point, I think Commissioner Cleary said, you know, it was very quick into her time on the subcommittee that she realized this was not going to be an enjoyable task. This mm -hmm. It was never meant to be uh, an enjoyable task for anybody, but ultimately where it landed based on all the information that was compiled by the two commissioners and Mr. Smith, uh, the recommendation was to implement a number of changes, uh, things like a cash register receipt till system for the alcohol vendor sales, um, better controls in how the cash is handled, how the events are uh, planned, uh, how the contracts are formed. Um, but ultimately, the probably the, the most uh, serious recommendation was the termination of Mr. Jeske as the event center director. Mm -hmm. And the commission struggled with that for quite a while. And ultimately, a couple of different motions were made and, and uh, rescinded, but the were landed on a split vote. Uh, Charlie Jeske was again placed on administrative leave, paid administrative leave pending. Uh, the next two weeks, the commissioners will review all the information that was provided to them by the fact-finding subcommittee because Commissioner Markwart, Commissioner Zanker, and Mayor Schmitz had only seen that first time last night at the table. And um, Commissioner Markwart indicated he wanted the ability to read through uh, the report. I believe it was a dozen pages plus. And so I, I can understand uh, mm -hmm. needing that time. And, and Commissioner Connolly said, you know, out of respect, uh, Commissioner Marquardt, I will, you know, make the motion to allow you that two weeks to to read through everything. I think Commissioner Zanker made his position very clear, uh, regardless of uh, the time. Um, he has indicated his support for Mr. Jeske early on, and I, I can understand that as well from the portfolio holder's perspective. Uh, Commissioner Zanker has learned a lot about the event center over his time here, and he has. He has uh, stepped up and stepped in in a lot of cases in the last several months to provide that guidance and support to the staff and uh, to the operations down there. So, so along with that, then also following that motion, which passed on three to two, mm -hmm. was another motion to appoint Amanda Yellow as the interim director right. until this can be resolved. Right. So Amanda will assume those responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And as they said, uh, this is the busiest time of the year for the event center staff with all the different things that are going on. Basketball is in there this weekend. And uh, slow time is the summertime for them, obviously. You know, they had requested some of these changes take place when they're able to adapt a little differently. And, and now is probably the worst time for them with the number of events and activities and, and just those challenges that are coming with it. Um, yeah, there were no winners in any of this last night. Um, and going forward, we're still not done because this, as we just discussed, will be back on the agenda again in two weeks. Okay. Do you anticipate public comment at that time? I know it wasn't advertised as a public hearing last night, but there was a lot of right. different voices, guess, different people at the podium. Yeah, that'll be up to the mayor to determine sure. how he wants to okay. handle the matter. Obviously, we have public comment at the onset of every meeting. 
and the, the instructions to those that wish to share their comments is that you can comment on any item on the regular or consent agenda, provided it is not already scheduled as a public hearing. Okay. That's so I guess to answer the question in a long roundabout way, yeah, people will be able to share their thoughts during public comment at the beginning of the meeting. Okay. Well, we will try and plan for another paper. Hopefully not too lengthy meeting. Right. So and I should say we'll with, with public comment, we ask that those that do take that time generally try and limit their comments to three to five minutes so everybody has an opportunity to, yeah. to share. And, and, you know, we can talk about how long the meeting went on again, but at the same time, there were a couple items that we were hoping to discuss today that actually got pulled because the commissioners just mm -hmm. the length of the meeting, the fatigue, the, the brain drain of, of going through all of this. I can understand why some of these uh, less than critical items were slid to the next meeting. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll move on to and um, we'll resurrect this conversation in a couple of weeks. So but there were a couple of public hearings scheduled mm -hmm. last night. One we of them was a regular, regular business as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. License trans transfer at the Tap In Tavern. This mm -hmm. is down on Memorial Highway. Move forward then. New owners. Yep. We had a little hiccup in the public hearing a couple of weeks ago. There was a misunderstanding with the address that was provided on the application. And we had to sort that out with the legal notice that goes over to the Bismarck Tribune. So a small technicality. But yes, everything was approved last night. So... Uh, good luck to the new owners of the yeah. Tap-In Tavern. We wish also, them all the best. Yeah, and also Sonnet Heights zoning change went forward as mm -hmm. well. And we had talked about that two weeks ago. That was a request to change from a multifamily zoning district to a planned unit development. I believe the intention is to create a three-unit dwelling and a two-unit dwelling, some condo-type situations. And, of course, Sonnet Heights is in... I call it North Central Bismarck, kind of west of Highway 83 yeah. and south of 57th Avenue. Another project that moved forward, your city engineer, Gabe Shell brought forward a, a street improvement district, 577. Now, that one moved forward with allowing to get engineering preparation and bits mm -hmm. allocate to move that forward. That's 153 blocks of improvements. Again, varied curb and gutter, mm -hmm. patching, all these different things that come yeah. along with it. And that reminds me I should put a plug in for a web page that if anyone is looking for more information on these street improvement projects, if you go to bismarcknd.gov slash streets, you will find a cornucopia of information on <laughs> all the street improvement districts that are coming up. And if that doesn't satisfy your curiosities, I would encourage anybody to reach out to the engineering department 355-1505 if you have questions about projects that are coming up or projects that might be in your neighborhood. Okay. They would be happy to talk to you about those items. Sounds good. Um, moving forward again, another agenda item, the Vision Fund um, had a request in to transfer some money from the no Northern Plains Commerce Center Fund into the Vision Fund mm -hmm. uh, accounts, right. if you will, because there's getting a little more activity in the Vision Fund re request for funding through yes. them. Yes, and kind of two pieces to this, the, the request to transfer funds from the Northern Plains Commerce Center. So for anybody that's not familiar with that, we often call it the NPCC. This was an economic development initiative in the early 2000s that was led by the city, and it is essentially an industrial park on the south side of town. City acquired a, a good chunk of land and went through some improvements to really facilitate multimodal transportation. What does that mean? There's some rail spurs in there. There's some trucking industries in there. There's a, a number of uh, good industrial type businesses that are down there. 
there are a couple of lots left for sale. That was the city's role is to develop the land and then sell the lots and then private and private companies would buy those. Well, the funds that were generated through that endeavor are held in the Northern Plains Commerce Center Fund. They are economic development funds. That's exactly what the Vision Fund is as well. It's an economic development tool. And for many years, we heard Nathan Schneider from the Bismarck Mandan Chamber EDC last night say that for many years, the Vision Fund was really not needed by local businesses because interest rates were so favorable. Mm -hmm. Well, the lending environment has changed substantially over the last couple of years, and there's a lot more interest in uh, programs like the Bank of North Dakota's Flex Pace program, which is a, a loan buy-down mm -hmm. that we as the city, we participate in that. So the city provides money uh, to buy down and create a low interest loan. So businesses that are expanding or adding staff or growing in this community have an opportunity to take advantage of these low interest loans. And as we understand, those, those pools are available only for primary type of jobs. Primary, We're not looking at restaurants and retail right. that it's, are eligible. Primary sector is a, is a very uh, common term that you'll hear mm -hmm. with Vision Fund. What is primary sector? Those are basically new jobs created in this community that we don't have that type of business already. Primary sector can also be the type of business that will bring new money to our economy. And by new money, that means out of state. Mm -hmm. So are you producing a product that will be sold elsewhere and that revenue ends up back in Bismarck. As evidence is the, the next thing on our notes, and this had to do with that whole motion to approve that funding, and this mm -hmm. is Cloverdale Foods. Cloverdale Foods. Who exports product all over. Huge product, so. huge, huge business, a vision fund applicant, and then also a similar request from the city of Mandan. So this was a kind of a shared venture. Um, some might ask, well, why is the city of Bismarck supporting economic development for a business that's based in Mandan? Because some of the people that work at that very large business in Mandan live in Bismarck. Of course. They spend their money in Bismarck. Yep. They, it, It's yep. all part of the economy for this community. Yep. And when I say community, I'm talking about Bismarck, Mandan, Lincoln, and the surrounding areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So both of those, the, both the of request for transferring them, it was a $1 million request from mm -hmm. NPCC into the vision fund right. so that's got some new life in there that will support um, future projects right. future applications that we will and we will likely see going forward and the interest buy down for the cloverdale expansion also was approved mm -hmm. as well yep. so the last thing i have on my notes is um your presentation to the commissioners last night about how to go about recruiting for the Newly vacated assistant now city vacant. administrator mm -hmm. position. So. so my request or my recommendation to the commission was to uh, seek internal applicants first. And uh, having held that position for almost eight years, I believe that there is a strong advantage to an internal candidate because generally that person should know how our organization functions, how it's structured, who to go to with problems, which departments handle which types of projects. Uh, the commissioners understood that, listened to that, and, and said, thanks, Jason. But we also believe that there's an opportunity to seek sure. qualified candidates yeah. outside the organization. And I, I welcome that as well. I, I have no concerns with that. I think what it does for those uh, that are choosing to apply, it, you just better sharpen your pencil. Um, mm -hmm. there, I mean, this, this joke is that this, this job is a very serious job. It requires a high degree of uh, professionalism mm -hmm. and nimbleness 
connectivity. You really got to know who to talk to, how to get there. Well, and certainly a candidate that it's a known quantity or someone that's been working within the system is going to have somewhat mm-hmm. of an advantage anyway. But right. commissioners wanted to expand beyond mm-hmm. the internal search. So right. and just might lengthen the time slightly to advertise. So when do you mm-hmm. anticipate this might go out? So I actually talked with our HR director, Leanne Schmidt, this morning about it, and she was very confident that we should have it posted by Friday. Okay. Of this week. All right. So by, It'll be on your website. By March first, and and we broadcast that across lots of hiring platforms as well. Social media sure. will will promote it. Um, so for anybody that is interested, I would encourage them to read through the job description, see what the qualifications require, um, give it a shot. And for for anyone that's looking to grow professionally, this is an opportunity to have that experience. Obviously, only one person will be selected to do the work. Mm-hmm. But there are things to learn through the interview process, through the uh, the tasks that you'll have to do as part of the general management in-basket uh, exercise. There's also the accomplishment survey, which I know you were part of on the last mm-hmm. uh, administrator position. These are all things that can lead towards professional growth. Do you have any idea when the <clears throat> when the deadline to apply might be? put in place my hope would be probably two weeks maybe three at most so middle of march and then knowing how that process would evolve i would anticipate interviews probably the last part of march first part of april if everything lines up if we don't have a blizzard or anything else in between (laughs) (laughs) here and there all right well good luck on that It'd be interesting to see how many people respond to this. Yeah, so definitely. I would think there'd be a pretty good pool. I would hope so. Mm-hmm. I, I would hope that there are some internal candidates that are interested. Um, obviously, I came from an internal position when I worked my way up, and I'm a strong supporter of that opportunity within an organization. But I also can understand if the right candidate comes in that has experience that is complementary to mine. Mm-hmm. I told the commissioners, I said, you don't want to hire a duplication. That's not what we're sure. trying to do. You need to be able to hire strengths and weaknesses. Now, some of those strengths will need to overlap because this person is going to take on the responsibility of you know, creating the agendas for city commission meetings and you know, doing the general operations day-to-day and, and that type of work. But then there are all these other projects that will come along that will likely need to get mm-hmm. managed by that person. So project management, personnel management, Problem solving, budgeting. There's a lot of a lot that goes into yeah. it. Yeah. Well, good so. luck. And speaking of some of these other tasks, um, let's talk just a little bit about Citizens Academy. Mm-hmm. How's that going? We're getting close to the end. We're getting closer. We are heading to CENCOM this week, which of course is our 911 uh, facility. We also pull Gary Stockert, our emergency manager, into week nine. And the reason we do that is because Gary is housed at the CENCOM facility, which is up on Coleman Street. Um, The emergency manager is actually part of the fire department in our organizational structure, but as the name implies, he is planning for the worst. And that often overlaps with what is going on at CENCOM. There's a training facility within the building as well. So we'll bring Gary in to talk about the role of what emergency management looks like. And then also Mike Danifelzer is our emergency management communications director. And of course, this is the, the the interesting part of this week coming up is when we're able to uh, watch the dispatchers do their job. There's an area there where we're outside of their workspace, so we're not able to hear what they're saying. Uh, but you can view how they're able to do their job, the, the screens, the technology. Uh, there's a, a real interesting system in that hub 
of well, emergency and response personnel. They're such critical positions, and they're really behind the scenes. Absolutely. When we think of first responders, we think of, rightfully so, the police and fire department, mm-hmm. but the first point of contact is CENCOM, These usually are, where those calls are coming they're, in. They're so really the first first responders. The dispatchers are yep. really, really important to this process. A lot of training goes on with A lot this. of training, and there is... Unfortunately, there is some turnover in those positions. These jobs can be very mentally challenging when mm-hmm. you're thinking about dealing with people that are potentially at their worst yeah. during an emergency crisis. Being able to calmly walk through those scenarios with them, get them the help that they need, and still be able to perform your job, mm-hmm. dispatching EMS, police, and fire, and all the other right. emergency features. It's very stressful. Yes. Yeah. You so. have to be able to process all this you do and it it takes a special person to be able to do that type of work and uh we appreciate them no doubt mike does a wonderful job supporting his team up there and uh i I know in in the past years the group has been amazed and quite surprised by what all goes into this and so i i don't doubt that this group will again appreciate that and then we've got three weeks then we're down to public health the fire department and the police department all right the end is in sight we're getting close all right well thanks for being here. Always no, you had a, a long meeting last night. So thanks for coming in this morning you to bet. do this. And thanks, we'll Mary. see you in a few weeks. I'll be back. All right. And thank you for tuning in again to this edition of City Current. For more information on what was discussed in this episode of City Current, visit BismarckND.gov or call 701-355-1300. If you have suggestions, comments, or issues you would like addressed in future episodes, Contact us at info at freetv.org. This program airs on Government Access Channel 2 and 602 in HD or on Radio Access 102.5 FM. It's also available as a podcast on radioaccess.org and as a video viewing link at freetv.org. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of City Current. For more information on what was discussed in this episode of City Current, visit bismarcknd.gov or call 701-355-1300. If you have suggestions, comments, or issues you would like addressed in future episodes, contact us at info at freetv.org. This program airs on Government Access Channel 2 and 602 in HD, or on Radio Access 102.5 FM. It's also available as a podcast on radioaccess.org and as a video viewing link at freetv.org. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of City Current.